You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. The Ministry of Reconciliation Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised." From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is a word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 is thick and theologically creamy. Here's some big thoughts up the front. Give you some headings for people that like to take notes. This is what I'm going to say. What God is doing. What he wants you to do. Why you will hesitate. And why you shouldn't what God is doing in this world right now. Or if you want to add a theological flow or, you know, a uh, preaching flourish, you can say, what in the world is God doing right now? And what is he calling us to do? What does he want you to do? Why will we hesitate and why shouldn't we? We are in the book of 2 Corinthians, which is a letter written to the church in Corinth. Uh, from what we can tell, it's either the third or the fourth letter. Um, now, I want to give by way just some recap and give us some context to where we are if this is the first time you're engaging in this text. 
2 Corinthians 5 is the flow on of thought as Paul reasons with the Corinthians as to the why he's doing what he's doing and behaving the way he is and what he's, why he's done what he's done. Um, it can be really hard to trace. Chapter headings and verse numbers can throw us a little bit, uh, but we are in a flow of thought here through the last few weeks, ever since chapter one, ever since the start of our series, we're running through a, a logical flow of thought. But Paul is dipping in and coming up and dipping down. He's going personal and theological and he's moving around. But there is logic here. There is a golden thread that we can follow. There's a golden thread. So by way of context, we're in a chain of thought from Paul. He's writing to this church. And so far, he's basically been saying, I live the way I do and I make the decisions I am because what God has done, this new thing and what he's doing right now. And he goes, look, it's amazing. I'm doing what I'm doing because it's amazing. He says, I live my life from it. I know it's better than everything that I've ever known. It's like, how good is it? It's so good. Oh, how good is it? It's so good. Yes, it is so good. He says, I know it's good. It's changing you guys. The message of Jesus is Lord is changing you from the inside out. It's better. It's good because God empowers it. Every point along the journey with God, he's with us. His Holy Spirit in us, comforting us, leading us. Christ Jesus, our big brother beside us. God, our father above us. And it's better when we compare it to what he was previously doing. Everyone is included. It's not just for Moses. It's not just for these prophets. It's for it's for all. Jesus, prophet, priest, and king calls us into relationship with himself. And we know it's better when we think about its future sustainability. It's going to keep getting better, keep getting better. Eternity with God, with Jesus. It is not going to fade. It's not going to rust. It's not going to spoil. It's not going to go off. It's not going to end up in the garbage heap. It's only going to get better. It's an eternal, perfect, pure relationship with the most high God of whom the whole world shows off his glory. It's so good. It's so good. And he goes on to say that this is why I live and preach the way I do. And we move into chapter four. And we saw last week, this is why he's saying what he does. And he talks about this is how we say what we say. We say it simply. We say it up front. We, we, boldly, we boldly proclaim the truth. We don't need to dress it up. We don't need to embellish it. It is just beautiful. You don't need to, you don't need to add to what is already perfect. And he says, this is the reason we keep speaking, even though from your perspective, it might look so painful. That's where we finished last week. And he says, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. He says, we just keep going because we are just on this beautiful march forward with Jesus, which is already the victory is secure. And then we come into the start of chapter five and he finishes off his flow of thought in terms of this idea of future hope. We see in these early verses the, the tent that they that the tent that they're in, it's passing away, but they have this home with God, it's forever, it's eternal, it's amazing. And then he, Paul moves on and he now starts talking about what God is doing and then how that relates to what he does. And I want us to see how that relates to what we do. And then Paul just caps off chapter six, or chapter five, moving into chapter six by just he's been talking about it and then he just does it. He just does it. He just gets there. He's just like, I've been talking about this so much. I'm just going to get there. And then we will get there too. And so we're going to go straight into verse 10, which is the another motivator for Paul's ministry. It's another motivator. It's just another thing in the long list of why Paul is doing what he's doing. It's not the only thing. It's, just, it's another thing. So we think about what is God doing? What is Paul doing? 
What is God doing? Can you see that when you read through 2 Corinthians 5? What is God doing in this world? God is working in the world toward this point. For we all must appear, verse 10, before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done. God is taking our world towards the judgment seat before Jesus Christ when he returns and everyone may receive what is due for what he has done. And so Paul, from that, he talks about what he is doing. Well, in light of this future judgment day, I'm going to be getting the world ready to meet God. Wind's coming in. There's probably going to be a sprinkle. If you need to relocate to a car, that's okay. It's just the same as a podcast. The, the microphones work good. I don't mind getting wet. So Paul is preparing the world to meet God. He says, verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. There's a judgment coming for all people. And Paul's like, wow, that's for everyone. I have this message in a jar of clay that transforms lives and gives people hope for this day of judgment. So knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing that this is coming, knowing that this is, this is a scary thing. I'm going to persuade others towards Christ, receive Christ and be safe on that judgment day. Have confidence to stand before the throne of the living God after you take your final breath in this life. And so Paul, he goes on, he, he fleshes that out a little bit more. Verse 11, on what God has done and what God is doing in this preparing before the judgment seat. He says, God has taken the initiative to put everyone in the same position of hope and ability to receive mercy for that day of judgment. So verse 14, it's like Paul saying, everyone's been put in the same boat. This is my confidence of why I want to persuade others towards Jesus. He says, for the love of Christ controls us, guards us, holds us, because we have concluded this. This is what we can see as we read through the entire Bible up to this point, that one has died for all. One has died for all. Jesus has died for everybody. Everybody has access to this offer in Jesus. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all. Why? Why has God done that? What has he done that for? So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. One has died for all. So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. One has died for all, and Paul knows of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he knows the power of Christ's death and his resurrection. He goes on to say in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's died for all, so you can be in Christ, all have died, you can be in Christ, resurrected with Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. You can be a new creation in Christ. The old passes away. The new has come. He's saying that for those who cling to Christ, they are recreated. They are transformed, renewed by Christ. And are they doing that out of their own strength? 
Does their recreated life, or is their new creation based on anything that they've done? Have they gone through and ticked off the 11 st- steps towards recreation so that they are morally religious? No. Verse 18, greatest verse. All this, how much of it? All of it. All of this, all of the recreating work is from God. <laughs> what do I need to do? No, 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 I've done it all. Yeah, well, do I need, no, I've done it all. All of this is, okay, um, so you're saying, uh, so you want me to go? No, I've done it all. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Paul saying, this is what God has done. This is what I'm doing. Because of all that God has done and doing and, and from what he's given, the ministry of reconciliation through the message Jesus is Lord. This is what I'm doing. I'm preaching the message. I'm carrying out the ministry. I'm preparing us all for this judgment throne day. Because I'm going to, re- I'm going to be judged on that last day based on all the things that I've known. And I know that everyone else is going to be judged on that last day. And I want everyone to be able to stand before the throne of God as a new creation in Christ, safe, secure, comfort. And Paul goes on. So in summary, what is God doing? This is what God is doing. A new era has been ushered into this world through God's son, Jesus Christ. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That should blow your mind. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Holy moly. Not counting their trespass against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What does that mean? Reconciliation with God is possible restoration with God is possible. Walking with God again as they did in the cool of the garden is now available. To know God, to know nearness and intimacy. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. (laughs) There's forgiveness for all the times that you have let God down. All this is from God. There's new life that's been now made available. A path of reconciliation has now been made walkable in and through Jesus. <laughs> and so what does that mean Paul is doing? This is what God is doing. All this is from God. Reconciliation, bringing people back to himself. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. What God has done to us, he will do through us. What God has done to you, he wants to do through you. And he says, I implore you on behalf of Christ. Now it's just like, now I'm just doing my job. I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. For our sake, not for his sake, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin. What is that? What was that like? 
made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are you in Christ? You are a new creation. And you are the righteousness of God. All this is from God. The one who says, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Be united with God. Be reunited with God. Be reconciled to God through Christ. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to be a new creation in Christ. He wants you to be safe on his final day of judgment of this world. He wants you to become righteous, truly righteous, pure, holy in the sight of God. He wants you to receive his love. All this stuff that comes from God. He wants you to walk in that newness of life. And he wants you to have courage no matter what circumstances you're in because you know that God is with you and he's given you that place and a purpose in that place. And he wants you to no longer live for yourself but live for God. This is what God is doing and this is what Paul is saying and this is what God wants us to do. Put, put, put simply, Paul is just restating the entire message and story of the Bible. That living not for ourselves but instead living for God's glory is what we're made for. We're made to be in God's family. It's Peter writes to the dispersion. But you are a chosen race, he writes to those that are in Christ. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, God's possession. He's like, that's mine. Get your hands off that. They're mine. Those, that royal priesthood, that holy, they're mine, my own possession. Why? That you may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What God has done through to you, he does through us reconciled, radically reconciled, to be representatives of reconciliation. It says, once you are not a people, this is what it was like, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. you reconciled. you brought back. Once you had not received mercy, once you were actually under God's, God's judgment, it was not looking good for you. Your future was, oh, that's a bit awkward. What's going to happen there? Uh-oh, eternal separation from the living God. That is not cool. <laughs> but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Just live in this new life. You're a new creation. Live in it. Do what you are. Abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. They may see your new creation life type of living, and they will glory God on the day of visitation. In God's family. New creations in God's army, 
new creation. You then, my child, Paul writes to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace. Be strengthened by the knowledge of God's love. Be strengthened by the knowledge of God's presence. Be strengthened by the presence of God in your heart by the Holy Spirit, by his grace, this unimaginable gift, this inexpressible gift. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. New creation as God's servants. 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Spoiler alert, this is coming next week. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, afflictions and hardships, calamities. And then Paul, you know, let's dip back into the last letter. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. That's what we're made for. Living with, God, living with God for God's glory and not our own is what we're made for. And that's what God is doing in this world, bringing people back to him so that we can live for his glory and not our own. That's why Jesus died on the cross. By his wounds we are healed. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your sin is taken away. You can now boldly and confidently enter into the presence of the living God. Be reconciled with God. That is what God wants you to do. Be reconciled with God. Jesus has died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Are you reconciled with God? Really? Would you say that when... Someone, when the the devil comes to accuse you before your maker in the sight of God and then God goes, whoa, 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 no, 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 we're good. We're good. He points at you and he flips off the devil. He's just like, we're good. What do you got? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? We're good. What are you basing the certainty of your answer on, your reconciliation with God? What do you base that on? Do you base your certainty of your relationship with God based on what you do or what God has done? It's all from God. Are you confident to be able to stand before the judgment seat of God on the final day based on your works or by humbly clinging to Christ and his works on your behalf. You're only safe if you choose the latter. Or maybe here's another question. Do you want to be reconciled with God? Do you want reconciliation with God? Do you want God in your life? Do you want to give up your own desires for the glory of God? Do you want reconciliation with God? And if you do, what are you, what are you basing that answer on? Is it only because you'd be safe from the day of judgment? That's not reconciliation. I trust you, Jesus, to save me from hell and I'll keep doing whatever I want to do. Uh Uh-uh. You're not in a relationship with God. (laughs) You're not loving God. You're not doing everything for the glory of God. It's like, Jesus, I need you to affirm me in this special way so I can keep living for me. 
Or is it only so you can get God's stuff or his blessings or his peace that you can't find at a particular time? Church is really convenient for me right now. Jesus is really convenient right now. And then when things are good, ah, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, uh, yeah, that's, look, I've just got my own thing going on now. You know, I kind of do my own thing, you know, just like, you know, it's just like me and Jesus doing my own thing. Oh, so you're living for the glory of God and like, you know, seeking to do God's will in all your life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, do you know what that is? No. Sorry, that's a caricature. But it's an important question to ask because to desire true reconciliation is that you must want true relationship. That's what reconciliation is. It's relational. Is that what you want? Relationship with God? Reconciled, restored, renewed relationship with God? We all deep down want it. We do. But we all very easily hesitate. There's one verse that gives it away. Jesus has died for all so that those will no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Oh. I was in the office at work this week and uh, I was pondering this and, you know, he could tell that I was pondering a few things. And he's like, oh, you look like you're thinking hard. I'm like, I'm just trying to untangle the spaghetti that is my brain right now as I engage in 2 Corinthians 5. He's like, right. And I said, well, here's a question for you. What do you think is at the root of all the problems in this world? He goes, oh, that is a question. Choose the end of his pen. Hmm. And leans so he can see me through the other round of the other side of his monitor. He goes, social media. It's like, why is that? Why do you say social media? And he has it dialed in. It's just like, well, it just makes people, all they do is think about themselves. All they want to do is just like, Look out for themselves. I'm just like, mate, you've, you've nailed it. Like you can come preach 2 Corinthians 5 if you're reconciled to God. Um, but we live in a world of selfies, don't we? Selfies. Be true to yourself. The subtle art of not giving a thought to anyone else but yourself. Don't we? Why, do, why is our world imploding? Because everyone is only looking out for themselves. It's ruining society. It's corrupting society. It's destroying the world. Since the fall, since sin was introduced into the world, what was that sin? It's just like the devil lied to Adam and Eve. He's like, you will be like God. And I'm like, are you saying that I'm going to be like, the Lord be for my glory? Oh, yeah. Give me the fruit. Be like God. No wonder relationships fail. No wonder there's so much anger, hurt, division, abuse, greed, and exploitation. No wonder there's relationships that are failing. No wonder our creation is being exploited. No wonder people steal and overcharge and exploit because people are only ever looking out for themselves. Isn't it true? You know, you carry that logic out to, you know, people will like keep it narrow and safe, just like, you know, oh, no, no, you, you be you. It's just like, oh, no, sometimes you just really, just really need to just look out for yourself as this tiny little snippet of their life, but actually they apply to all of their life. But if you draw the logic out, what happens to a hospital if people are only ever looking out for themselves? 
What happens to the classroom if the teacher is only ever looking out for themselves? What happens to a family if the husband and wife are only ever looking out for themselves? What happens to, the, to a child if the parents are only ever looking out for themselves? Everything implodes if you draw that logic out to its final end. And, and to hear God's plan for reconciliation, which involves, which is essential, the result is you will, you will might no longer live for themselves. When people hear that and they think about it and read it, will bristle. Oh, not live for myself? What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. Now I want my share. Can't you see? I want to live. But you, just take more. Then you give. What about me? We bristle at this idea of living a life to the glory of God that's not self-interested, don't we? We, we? Can we really be honest with ourselves and be like, you know what? I really just kind of do just want me to get glory here. We're, as Paul Tripp talks about, we're glory stealers, you know? But we shouldn't hesitate at being reconciled with God so that we would live a life to the glory of God. We shouldn't hesitate at that. Although the world disciples us to think in a particular way that we must look out for numero uno, the promise and purposes of God are infinitely better because to be reunited with God and to live for him and not for yourself is the lane we're supposed to live in. It is the lane we're supposed to live in. This is the flow state for humanity. Intimacy with the divine comes from selflessness. This is where true joy is found. This is your purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is the abundant life. You see why at the start, I was like, you're not going to believe me. Only the Holy Spirit could crack this open for you. This is where life is found. And where do we find the way for this? How do we know this is where life is found? Because it's like, oh, yeah, sure, Louis, you can give me a nice, you know, little soliloquy on like why not living for self is the way to live according to God. Well, look at Jesus. <laughs> look at Jesus. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your master? Is he your treasure? Is he your savior? At the heart of selfless living is to follow, follow the selfless life of Jesus. If you have a problem with the concept of a selfless life, you've got a problem with the life of Jesus. Jesus' life. John 14, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Luke 22, Jesus says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. He's still honest about how he feels. That's okay. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. John 5, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. This is Jesus speaking. The Son can do nothing of his own accord. I actually can't be selfish, guys. Like, being righteous means I can't do anything of my own, but only what he sees the Father is doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus' attitude is so beautifully selfless in all that he does, looking to the glory of God in his selflessness. It's not just selflessness for the sake of selflessness. It's to the glory of God's selflessness. 
looking to Jesus. This, this is what Jesus had in his mind as he laid down his life for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, the joy of his sacrificial life. He endured the cross, despising its shame. And he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that Jesus, God incarnate, God in flesh, the Son of God, even though he came down and he was found in human form, you know that even though like God condescended himself to such a level of being a human, you know what? He, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. There's another word we bristle at, obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we ask, why does Jesus not hesitate in living this way? should ask that. If Jesus doesn't hesitate, why not? Because I don't want to hesitate. I don't want to hesitate in my life being to the glory of God. Well, because it's the best way. Because it's a way that Jesus knows is so good. Psalm 91, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress in my God whom I trust living for God's glory. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That's a declaration of someone that's living for the glory of God. God is your stronghold. Psalm 4, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Still yet to find a promise in the world like that, apart from Jesus. Psalm 32, God says, Psalmist says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do you long for leadership? Do you long for purpose? Do you long for meaning? Do you long for direction? Give your life up to God and live for him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, says God. <laughs> Psalm 19, how good is it to draw near to God and be with him? The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Psalm 16, you make known to us the path of life, the path of life. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. What you been doing today? It's been hanging out with God in his presence. Oh, what's that like? Well, um, my joy is full. All oh, right. So like, you want to come down and do this? No, mate, like. It's full. Like my joy is full. Because <laughs> I've been in his presence. Oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> You've got no idea. Pleasures. Forevermore. 
Hold on, you're like, how long? Forever. More. How is that possible? Well, I've been reconciled with my God. How is that possible? Well, all the ways that I'd ever let God down, <laughs> He forgave me, gave me a fresh start. How can He do that? He, he, can't, he can't just sweep His sin under, like, I've seen your life. He can't just sweep his sin under the rug. Like, what, what has he done? How does he, how does he do that? Like, I mean, we had like the sacrificial system with the lambs and the bulls. Like, I mean, it, it, someone has to pay. Well, mate, you won't believe this, but God sent his son into the world. He became my sin. Everything I'd ever done wrong, everything that needed to be struck down and burned up and punished and tortured and to be eternally separated from God. I don't understand it, but somehow Jesus became my sin and was punished on the cross and put to death. And God just told me that if I trust in that, that Jesus can rescue me, that I somehow get Jesus' righteousness. Dude, what? If you've got Jesus' righteousness, that means that you can like go to God anytime that you want. That means that like God is going to be with you. Like he's not, he won't cast you out of his presence. Are you serious? Yeah. How do you know? Oh, mate, Jesus loves me this, I know, because the Bible tells me so and not only that it's the gift of the holy spirit god's been pleased to take up residence in my heart i'm a new creation and i have this weird life-giving peace and reassurance that i'm a child of god i can't explain it i can't show you on a survey or scientifically that that's the case but i just love god so much because he first loved me. That's reconciliation with God. And that's being an ambassador of reconciliation. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says to the Galatians. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith and not by sight. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the heart of a life that is seeking to give everything to God. Jesus, God, gave everything to us. And if we were ever to try and weigh out the scales and be like, well, if I give God everything and pop it on my side of the scale over here, 
then if I look on God's side of the scale, I'm like, oh, wow. He's given us everything. To live in God's way is to live in the best way. It is the abundant way. To re-enter life with Jesus is to enter a life of true life, eternal life. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy selfless acts. I came, Jesus came, that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. So we come to this end part of 2 Corinthians 5. And there's so much more I want to say. But we now have transitioned into Paul's flow of thinking to where he just is now imploring the Corinthians. He's just doing what he does. Be reconciled to God. We all can be reconciled to God. It's available. And when you know that this is where Paul is getting to at this point in his letter, let's look back at how he built us towards it. Chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with which we, which we ourselves are comforted by God. Thanks be to God who leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance and knowledge of him everywhere. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So church, what in the world is God doing right now? Through reconciliation, he's making a radically renewed set of reconciliation representatives, which is his church. And what does he want you to do? Be reconciled. What does that look like? A life in complete and under dependence and trust in Jesus for everything. He is Lord. And represent the new, the renewal within that comes from that reconciliation. And what does that look like? Complete and utter dependence and trust in Jesus for everything because he is Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.